You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Mark. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. Aren't you glad that you serve a risen Savior, a living God? Are you excited today? Are you excited today? Well, I want to talk to you a little bit about the blood of Jesus. A number of, um, actually months ago, this dropped on my heart. Uh, We do different things every Easter as we celebrate the resurrection. But the blood of Jesus was so strong in my heart. And uh, I just want to encourage you today. Are you grateful for the blood? Are you thankful for the blood? Have you been redeemed by the blood? Hallelujah. Well, in the Gospels, we see this. We're going to look at Luke chapter 24, verse Verses 5 and 6 to start with. Here Jesus has gone to the cross. He shed his blood. That blood was for our sins. That blood was the the end. Remember he said it is finished. And that means so many things. I believe it means the old covenant is finished. The new new covenant is on its way. I believe it also means that I have finished my assignment and I'm ready to return. Hallelujah. I believe so much much of what it says. But what he wanted to talk about is after he was raised from the dead. The Bible says in Colossians 2.15, having spoken principalities and powers. Jesus made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. In what? His death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. And so we see this. We see Mary Magdalene going out and she went to the tomb first. That's the one that Jesus cast seven devils out. And so the first person that Jesus appears to is a woman. And that should mess with a lot of people's theology today. Hallelujah. So the first preacher of the resurrection was a woman. That'll mess you up. Doesn't mess me up. It'll mess some people up around here. Not in this room, but I'm telling you. So Mary Magdalene was the first evangelist. She was the first one to declare Jesus is alive. And ladies don't think anything about it. They didn't believe her either. Hallelujah. But tell, let me tell you this, that he, uh, he chose to appear to her first. Amen. And then I like, though, here in Luke chapter 24, verses 5 and 6, Luke 24, 5 and 6, it says this. It says, as they were, it talks about them, and it says, they were afraid. And they bowed their faces to the earth and said to them, why do, why do you seek the living among the dead? And I would tell everybody that today. That's got to be our theme. That's got to be our theme. Why are you looking for life in the world? You and I have been delivered from that. They're dead. They're dead in their trespasses and sin. And so the angel said, why do you seek the living among the dead? Verse 6. It says, he's not here. He's not in the dead stuff. He's not among the dead. But he is risen. Everybody shout, he is risen. And then he said, remember how he spake to you when, when he was yet in Galilee. And then... In Mark chapter 16, verse 9, it's where it tells us that he appeared to Mary first, uh, Mary Magdalene first. And so Mark chapter 16, verse 9, let's look at that. Mark 16, verse 9 says, now when Jesus was risen early in the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. Then I want to look at this. Let's look at John's gospel, chapter 20. John's gospel, chapter 20. So Jesus... He died on a cross for your sin. He took stripes on his back so that you could be healed. He went into the bowels of hell, got the keys of of death, hell, and the grave. Then the Bible says when, when the time was finished, the Holy Ghost went into the bowels of hell and raised him up from the dead. 
And now he's appearing. First, he appears to Mary Magdalene. He appears to the apostles. But I want you to see this uh, at his appearing to Mary Magdalene. It says this in John 20, starting at verse 11. But Mary stood without the sepulcher, weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked in the sepulcher and sees two angels in, the, uh, in white sitting, and one at one head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And when they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Why are you crying? She said to them, because they, they have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. And verse 14, and when she had said thus, she turned herself back and she saw Jesus standing and knew that it was, she didn't know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you crying? Whom seekest thou? She supposing him to be a gardener, said unto him, Sir, if you have uh, borne him hence, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said unto her, What caught, what did he say? Mary. Does he know your name? Does he know your name? It's a deal of that. It's personal relationship. Uh, he, he started, you know, kind of, I don't know if he was messing with her or not, but the, he's like, Woman. And then when he revealed himself, he called her by her name, Mary. Do you know the Lord wants to have a personal relationship with you? He knows your name. Aren't you glad he knows your name? Turn to your neighbor and say, he knows your name. He knows your name. He said to her, Mary, and she turned herself and said, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus said unto her, touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. Touch me not. Uh, modern translation says, don't take a hold and hold on to me. But the King James says, touch me not. Young's literal translation says, touch me not. And I believe there's some significance, not only in not touching him, but not holding on to him, because this is what he said. And this is what I want to talk about. Touch me not, for I'm not yet ascended. Jesus died on a cross. He took your sin. He took your sickness. He took my sin. He took my sickness. He took all my mess. He took all my fears. He took all my problems. He became bruised for me. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And with his stripes, I've been healed. Jesus took care of the sin problem. He took care of the sickness and disease problem. He took care of the poverty problem. He took care of the fear problem. He took care of the mess. I said he took care of the mess. He took care of the messes we made as humanity. He took care of the messes we made individually. He took care of it all. And the Bible says in Acts that his soul was not left in hell. That means he went there. And, and he went there, why? To destroy the devil, to get the keys of death and hell. He, he went there, and the, remember when he got up in Revelation, he says, I have the keys. What does that mean? I have the, if you got the keys, you can lock and unlock things. The door was locked to death. Humanity, you and I were suffering. You and I had no way out. But Jesus, the Savior, Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the Lamb of God came and he did all that. So in hell for three days, just like he prophesied, just like the Old Testament prophesied, just, just, just like he would be the Lamb of God, the spotless Lamb of God. And then when it was enough, my sin was paid for. Your sin was paid for. Our sickness and disease paid for. Our poverty paid for. All of our mess paid for. Then the Bible says in Ephesians, the Holy Ghost grabbed hold of him and raised him up from the dead. And now he's alive and he takes a moment to stop by and say hello. 
But he's on his way somewhere. He's on his way somewhere because his job is not finished. His job, that's why he said, don't touch me. Don't hold me here. And then I love what he says because he's telling her what's going to happen. He said, um, hallelujah, John 20. Um, he talks about, uh, don't touch me because I've not yet ascended to my father. Go to the brethren and say unto them, verse 17, I ascend unto my father. And this is the first time you're ever going to hear this. Now he's about to be your father. He's no longer just God. He's no longer just God. He's no longer, he is the almighty God. He said, I'm going to my father. And he's about to become your father. To my God, to your God, just so she knows who he's talking about. To my father, to your father. But see, his job's not yet done. So I want to talk to you a little bit about it. I want to talk to you about Jesus putting his blood on the mercy seat and the significance of it. That resurrected Jesus, the, our Savior, our Lord, the blood of the lamb that was so precious, spotless blood. And that blood is so significant today and so important for the last days, for the days that we've come into. For everything that is going on in the world, if you will realize that Jesus put his blood on the mercy seat for you then it will bring great uh, um, uh, reassurance. It'll bring, if you understand what's going on, it will cause your outlook on life to be different and, and resurrection day will be every day. And that's the way we, we like to celebrate it around here. But I want you to see this. Let's, so we gotta go back into, uh, you wanna go, we're gonna go back to the old covenant in Exodus chapter 25. Now the old covenant is not where we get our doctrine from, but is where we get our example from. And there's a lot of things in the gospels and even the epistles that refer back to the old covenant. So it's important that you know it. And really the Holy Ghost is expecting you and I to know what happened in the old covenant. And so here in Exodus 25, we're going to talk about the mercy seat. Verse 21, and you shall put the mercy seat above the ark, the ark of the covenant, and in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give you. And verse 22, and there I will meet with you. At the mercy seat is where God met with them. And it says, I will commune with you from above the mercy seat. Between the two cherubims, these are not little uh, 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 Christmas angels. The cherubims there, these, these are the real deals. These are the same thing that, remember, we're at the Garden of Eden so that uh, Adam and Eve wouldn't go back in. It, it, these are big dudes. These, these are fearsome. These are the kind. These are my bodyguards. Hallelujah. This is the real deal. And he says, um, he says, I will put the two cherubims where upon the ark of the testimony and all these things which I give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. So in the old covenant, there is a, a, a place that's a type and a shadow that's a duplication of what's going on in heaven. And so in Leviticus, man, Leviticus is getting its due today here at Cornerstone. Or Lamentations, Leviticus. I mean, we're just going crazy here. Luke, uh, Leviticus. See, I can't even say it. Leviticus chapter 16, just so you understand, verses 14 and 15. Leviticus 14 and 15. And I'm going through this um, for a reason. Leviticus chapter 16, 14 and 15. It says, and he shall take the blood. Talking about every year, the high priest would go in and take the blood of bulls and goats 
And they would, he would do something. And what was this for? It was for the atonement. So their sins would be covered. Covered. In the old covenant, the blood, the type of the blood of the lamb, the type of the blood would be for covering of sins. Covering of sins. And so here it says, and he, you'll take the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward. And before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle the blood with his finger seven times. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering. And so a lot of what they would do is they would take this goat and they would lay hands on it and it would represent the sin of the people. And then they would send it to the outside and then they would recapture it. And this is what they do. It says that it says that uh, the goat of the sin offering that is for the people. And bring his blood within the veil and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. So in the old covenant, this was a type and a shadow. And if it's a type and a shadow, then there's a real. The only reason it's in the old is because the real is coming. The only reason that it's important is because there's a reality coming later. And so that reality is the risen Savior. That reality is Jesus. And so Jesus is there with Mary Magdalene. And he says, don't touch me. He said, don't hold me here because I've not yet ascended. Thank God that Jesus died on the cross. He took your guilt. He took your shame. He took your sin. He took your pain. He took your sickness. He took your disease. He took your poverty. He nailed it all to the tree and he took everything upon himself. Then thank God he did go into the bowels of hell and there he did destroy the work of the devil. Just like God told what happened in the book of Genesis. He said to the serpent, he said, "Um, I'm telling you, there's a day coming that through a woman he said you may crush his uh, you may bruise his heel but he's going to crush your head prophesying about Jesus and all throughout the old covenant it talks about the lamb the spotless lamb and we know that Jesus is the lamb of God even John the Baptist says behold the lamb of God that takes away your sin And so that lamb, the perfect lamb, no one took his life. He willingly laid it down, right? And he took all of our sin. He took all of our stuff and he nailed it to the tree. And so on the third day, the Holy Ghost raised him up and now he's here with Mary Magdalene. But his job is not yet done. His mission is not yet fully accomplished because in order to be fully accomplished, he had to fulfill the type in the old covenant. And I don't know if you know much about the mercy seat, but again, I read to you, the mercy seat in the old covenant is above the ark of the covenant, which means gathered presence of God. And there was two cherubims on either side to protect what was going on. And then right above it is where God would commune. And he did that once a year. But now here comes Jesus, raised from the dead, the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world. And I don't know where it's at, but obviously he's got some blood. His blood. And he says to her, don't touch me. Not because she's a woman. I don't know if you've ever heard that preach, but that's just stupidity. Because he appeared to her first. Not because she's a woman. It's because I'm not, don't touch me. Don't hold me here. I've got to finish my assignment. I'm going to go to your father and my father, to your God and my God. And so what happens here is in Hebrews chapter nine, Hebrews chapter nine, 
Hallelujah. Verse 11 says, but Christ being come of a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle. So he's comparing it to the old tabernacle, the things you, I just read to you. Not made with hands, that is to say, not of a building. So they made that as a hand out of their hands, out of a duplication of what was shown to them. Verse 12, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, by his own blood. By his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. So they used to go every year. So the first thing you need to know is Jesus just had to go once. Jesus had to go one time. Jesus went every year. The the Bible talks about the high priest went in and he put the, the blood of the goat, which represented the sin of the people, and he put it on the mercy seat. He put it on the mercy seat, and now their sins are covered. But this is kind of why I make a big deal of this. Your sins are no longer covered. God doesn't have to look at the blood of Jesus to look at you, to handle you, to endure you. You've been changed. You've been changed. He's your father now. He's your father now. Come on. You've been made righteous. You've been made holy. Hallelujah. You've been washed in the blood of the lamb. You are clean. You are holy. You are right with God. Amen. Hallelujah. He put, he went in, the high priest, the lamb of God went in just like in this high priestly duty, like they used to do once a year and they sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat. Why the mercy seat? Because God wants to commune with you. Why, why on the mercy? Because that's where he communes with you. That's where he, hallelujah, glory to God. Now let's look at this, Hebrews 9, 22. It says, and almost all things are by the law purged with the blood. So everything's purged with the blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. So there's no, there's, without uh, the shedding of blood, there was, there was no ability to be your sins to, for remission. Uh, in the old covenant, they were covered. Your sins have been remitted. They're done away with. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of the things in heavens should be purified. So the patterns were purified with these things. So now it's necessary. It's necessary that the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. So now he's saying, yeah, that happened yearly in the old covenant in the type. But here one time and one time only, here comes Jesus. Don't touch me. I got something I got to do. He's got blood in his hands. He's got his own blood. How do I know that? Because the blood, his blood needed to be sprinkled on the mercy seat. So for Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands. So as again, it's telling you, this is a real place in heaven. There's a real mercy seat in heaven. There are two uh, cherubims guarding. They're there and it's where God communes. It's the holiest of holies. It's the throne room. The Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are figures of true, but into heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God for us. Not yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest enter in the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then he must have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world, he hath appeared to put away the sin by sacrifice of himself. Hallelujah. He did this one time and one time only. His blood went in and he put it on the mercy seat. Glory to God. 
Amen. Let's read 25. Not that yet he should offer himself often as a high priest entered into the holy place every year. So he, he's doing it once and for all. He doesn't have to be raised from the dead again. Hallelujah. He's got his blood that he, his sacrifice that they used to do in the old covenant every year that covered the sins of the people. Why is this so important? You need to know when you receive what the blood of Jesus done, it changes you. God becomes your father. You're no longer a sinner. You are, you are a child of the most high God. You've been redeemed. Hallelujah. I'm going to get ahead of myself because I'm going to get excited about it. But I'm going to tell you that when Jesus raised from the dead, that's why he said, don't touch me. Don't hold on to me because I've got to go. I've got to go. I got to finish what I started. Aren't you glad he's the author and the finisher? He's the beginning and the end. He's the alpha and omega. He knew that this part was just as vital as him dying on the cross. This part was just as vital as him going into hell. This part was just as vital as him taking stripes on your back. This part was equally as important. He couldn't be delayed because he needed to get to the, the throne room and sprinkle his blood on the mercy seat. What did that do? That forever changed everything. The blood changed everything. You now have access. You now have access. You can now call God your father. What is the resurrection about? It's about Jesus restoring relationship like in the Garden of Eden where, where Adam and Eve were sons and daughters of the Most High. Now you and I could be sons and daughters. It's not just a day to celebrate once a year. It's a day to understand everything that Jesus did. And it's this day to celebrate all the time. He made you a son. He made you a daughter. We're heirs and joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. We can celebrate the resurrection. Amen. Well, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I'm going to celebrate the blood a little bit today. Amen. Without Jesus dying on the cross, we had no hope. They lived in the old covenant as servants covered by the blood. It had to be done every year. Once and for all, our high priest, our savior, the Lord of all, put his blood on the mercy seat. And now we need to celebrate the blood because that blood has done so much for us. And I might stop on some of these. They might put the scripture up if they can keep up with me. But I want, I want to just go through a number of things that the blood has done for you. And I want to remind you about the blood. And you need to be excited about the blood of Jesus today. Because you need to understand these things for the day you and I have come into and understand everything going around you, on, around you. But the first thing is, thank God the blood of Jesus redeemed us. First Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19 says, We've not been redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but we have been redeemed. Come on, everybody shout, I'm redeemed. What is re redeeming? You've been bought from something to something. You've been bought out of sin into righteousness. You've been bought from sickness and disease into health. You've been bought from poverty into wealth. You've been bought. Verse 19 says it very clearly. It says that we have been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus as a lamb without blemish, and without spot. We've been redeemed by the precious. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. Say, thank you, Lord. The blood of Jesus has redeemed me. Amen. In Romans 5 and 9, it says you were justified. You've been justified by the blood. Being, we were justified by his blood. We, we, we're saved from him. Justified. Justified, never done anything wrong. 
Justified, never done anything wrong. I've been justified. His blood justifies me. His, his blood redeems me. And the fir- third thing I want to look at, the blo- uh, Hebrews 13, 12 says, the blood of Jesus sanctified or set you apart. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. What does that mean? Just like that goat. They put outside the gate. But listen, Jesus sanctified you. Come on, everybody shout, I'm sanctified. What are you? I'm set apart by the blood of Jesus. Amen. And in Colossians 1.20, you know, there was enmity between us and God. But the blood of Jesus made peace. The blood of Jesus made peace. He made peace. In other words, you know, people say, well, God's angry. He's not angry at me. He's not angry at you if you're born again. Amen. He's not angry with us. Jesus satisfied that. I said, Jesus satisfied that. What do I know? Having made peace through his blood, the blood of his cross, by him he reconciled all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, you have been, glory to God, you've been reconciled to God and you're at peace with God. He actually loves you. And really the truth of the matter is he loves everybody. He loves everybody. He's not angry. Jesus satisfied that. Jesus satisfied that. He took all the wrath. He took all of that on himself. And now his blood satisfies that. And we have peace. Amen. Oh, we're just getting started. Hallelujah. He has, the blood of Jesus has cleansed me. Revelations 1.5. Revelations. Are you grateful for the blood? Are you grateful that Jesus, he didn't didn't skip this last part. He needed to put his blood on the mercy seat. And from Jesus Christ, who's the faithful witness, the first begotten from the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins by his own blood. Come on, you're you're not a sinner anymore. Jesus has washed you. Jesus has cleansed you with his own blood. Hallelujah. You're now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah, but Pastor Mark, I still mess up. I, I still miss it. I still sin. Well, then we got another one. 1 John 1, 7. 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light, as he in the light, and we have fellowship one with another. It's talking vertical here. And it says, in the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses. That word cleanse is an ongoing verb. Come on, it's an ongoing verb. It cleanses us from all sin. What does that mean? The blood of Jesus, if I walk in the light, what is the light? The word of God. If I walk in the revelation that I have, and the truth of the matter is, even if I sin, I have an advocate, the Lord Jesus Christ, the righteous. And if I'll confess that sin, the blood of Jesus will cleanse me. Hallelujah. There's no reason this morning for you to be unclean. There's no reason for you to be on the outside looking in. Well, Pastor Mark, I'm going to get it together this Easter. I I made a decision. I'm going to get it together. Well, quit trying to get it together and believe that Jesus' blood cleanses you. And you start from that point instead of trying to do it in your flesh. Because you and I can't do it in our own strength. Amen. But if you'll do this, if you'll get in the light, if you'll get in the word of God and you'll walk in the things that you know and you continue in revelation of the word of God, what does that mean? The blood of Jesus will continually cleanse you. I look at it spiritually like this. I've been hooked up to the blood of Jesus IV and it's working and it's working and it's working and it's working and so you don't have to worry anymore about the sins of commission, omission, permission, demission, remission. You don't got to worry about that anymore. Just walk in the light. 
just walk in the light. And if you do violate the light, which is sin, then you have an advocate, Jesus, the righteous one. And if you confess that, he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. What does that mean? He puts you back in your righteous place. It's about walking in righteousness. It's about walking in who you are. Come on, that blood. Woo. That blood. Oh, the blood. Oh, the blood. There's power in the blood. What is it? It's just cleansing me. It's working on me. Hallelujah. Thank God. The blood of Jesus has washed me clean. The blood of Jesus has made me whole. And then if I walk in the light, that blood is continually working on my behalf. Hallelujah. I got to hurry. Hallelujah. What else will the blood do? Hebrews 9, 14 says the blood of Jesus will purge your conscience. What does that mean? You just don't have to live in guilt anymore. You don't have to live in shame anymore. Hallelujah. The blood of Jesus will purge. What does purge mean? Remove it. Purge it from dead works. Hallelujah. Hebrews 9, 22 says we've been released from the penalty of sin. We've been released from the penalty of sin. Hebrews 12, 24 talks about how the blood of Jesus speaks better things than that of Abel. What does that mean? What does that mean? Abel's blood, when it was shed by his brother, called out for retribution. But Jesus' blood, (laughs) hallelujah, calls out mercy. Mercy. It calls out mercy. It calls out mercy. Hallelujah. It speaks of better things. If that one spoke of judgment, then Jesus' blood speaks of mercy. Aren't you glad there's mercy for you, the blood of Jesus? Hallelujah. I love this one. Hebrews 10, 19 says that because of the blood of Jesus, we have access. We have access. Come on. Everybody wants access to anything. I'll tell you, you know, like you go somewhere. What do you want to know when, when you get out your phone? You want to know the Wi-Fi Password, because you want access. Well, I'm telling you, we have better access than to a, to, to a web. We have access. We have access. We have access to the very throne room of God. We have access to the holy place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Hebrews chapter 9, we look at verses 16 through 21, and we see that this is where the new covenant, the blood of Jesus, brought the new covenant. Everything that God does, he does by blood and covenant. And in the old covenant, he cut a covenant with Abram. The Old Testament came into place through the blood of bulls and goats. But we have a greater thing today. Hallelujah. Thank God that we ha- the New Testament has come into force. It's been ratified by the blood of Jesus. Amen. And then Revelation 12, 11 says, we overcome. We overcome. Come on. Are you an overcomer? Are you more than a conqueror? How do you do it? We overcome. You see, you can't overcome unless you have a revelation of the blood of Jesus. And in this hour, in this day, you need to be more than conquerors, overcomers. But where does it start? I have a revelation of what Jesus did for me on the cross. I have a revelation of what Jesus did for me when he went into hell. I have a revelation that he put his blood on the mercy seat. And I overcome by the blood of the lamb, by the word of my testimony. And they love not their lives unto death. And then I want to tell you this one. And we may circle back around to this one. Listen, if anything's done as a type or a shadow, then the real is more powerful. And in in the book of Exodus, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they put blood on the doorposts so that the death angel would pass over. Come on, if, if, if a type would protect them, 
how much more the real. Come on. Like Pastor Robert was saying, there's no reason to worry. There's no reason to be afraid. The blood of Jesus protects you. Now, I know it's a thing in circles. Some people don't like it. Uh, There's an old Pentecostal term. We still use it around here. Plead the blood. Do you plead the blood or do you not plead the blood? Well, when I say I plead the blood, I remind myself and anyone who's listening what the blood has done. And the blood protects me. I'm protected by the blood. And and it it can even be this, this house I live in. This is just a house. This is just a house. So the blood has been applied to my house. Amen. And then you can do it. We've done it. I still do it. I just remind the devil, all my stuff is covered. It it is protected by the blood of Jesus. You know, if you don't like that term, well, I'll quit using it over you when I pray. No, I won't. Whether you like it or not, you'll never hear me. But I do plead the blood of Jesus over you. Amen. Amen. I plead the blood over you to protect you. Sometimes you run across our hearts. We'll pray for people. One of the first things I'll do is plead the blood of Jesus. Now, you know, what am I saying? I'm going to enforce what the blood has done. And if the blood protected somebody uh, with a type and a shadow, it sure can do it with the real. And so I thank God for the blood. I thank God for the blood. Are you grateful for the blood? Are you grateful for the blood? On this resurrection, as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, what I wanted you to see, and I hope you got, didn't take a long time, but I just wanted you to to remind you, don't forget about the blood. It was the last thing he did before he sat down. It was the last thing, and it was just as necessary as him dying on a tree. It was just as necessary as him taking stripes. It was just as necessary as he went into hell. It was just as necessary because it meant he finished his complete assignment. The blood of Jesus on the mercy seat. We have access to the Father, God the Father. That's why we can commune with him. We have boldness to enter into the holiest place. Amen. Hallelujah. We hope you were inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Madison. We believe God is working within you and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.